Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Clown Hospital podcast, the mental health podcast where we're not afraid to admit that capitalism is the problem. Um, I've been trying out that tagline and I like really like it. <laughs> um, I think it's good. And then you'll see how I end it too. I think you'll appreciate it. Um, yeah. So, welcome back to the podcast. And You've already heard my guest, Tara. Hello. Hi. Hi. My name is Tara Jean Caspro, and uh, I use she, her, also they pronouns. I'm, I'm open. Nice. With my jazz hands. <laughs> Cute. So <laughs> thanks for joining me. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Of course. I think it's going to be a good one. So today we're going to talk about the idea of like detaching from someone in a loving, caring way. Um, you know, very much like a codependency conversation. And, but before we get into that, would you like to let the audience know kind of like maybe a real quick and dirty background on who you are and like why this is like a topic that you have experience with or like just set the stage for the rest of what we're going to talk about in your personal sure. Um, so I am, I am Jersey trash, though I spent a portion of my life in Philly. That's how I met a bunch of people around me, including Sadie. That's me. Uh, yes, hi. Definite trauma survivor, like definite survivor of narcissists. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would not say that I identify as a codependent, though, like, honestly, for all I fucking know, I should. But uh, I definitely <laughs> have experiences with, you know, like, love and fantasy addiction like my my brain can go there you know, and I've, I've worked on it I've worked on it thank you to my therapist Alyssa we love and stan Alyssa in this house and, uh, Alyssa. I'm a I'm a cancer sun and a oh Sagittarius moon and a Leo rising if that helps your <laughs> listeners just go oh she's a lot okay bye so <laughs> I think that's no. well in the very first episode I I uh come I said that genetics is just a straight version of astrology (laughs) (laughs) yeah i love that (laughs) cool anything else you want people to know other than i'm i'm italian straight italian russian jew and that's it i'm literally just two things as far as i know i i did not spit in a tube uh for 23 and me if you want me to spit you you're gonna have to pay (laughs) (laughs) oh my god Oh my god. No, I'm not paying you to spit in your goddamn tube for you to steal my DNA and like, you know, pin me to a small ring of like jewelry robberies. Like, no, no, <laughs> I'm not giving that shit for free. Yeah. You're not the first Italian on the podcast. Oh, okay. All right. My people, my people opening Maybe up. Maybe my brain can't go through. I'm very tired today. I, my brain can't go through everyone who's been on, but I think you're we're, the we're, second Italian. We're a shockingly stoic people. Everyone assumes that Italians are, you know, fiery and emotional and all of that, but really, like, all of the Italians I know are like, there's shit we don't fucking talk about. You don't talk about this. You don't go to therapy. Like, it, very, like, I was watching um, Real Housewives in New Jersey, and Teresa 
who I who I hate. She's like my least favorite housewife. Teresa was saying that like we're Italian. We don't talk about this stuff. Blah blah blah. The only emotion that a lot of Italians exhibit is anger. It's literally that. You're either <laughs> you don't say shit, it is omerta or it is like rage and that's when you get everything out but a lot of italians are not i mean like how many italian singer songwriters do you know like bob dylan's real name is not like roberto daddario you know like we're not we're not a deeply poetic people i think <laughs> i think i'm just not gonna comment as a non-italian <laughs> i'm just gonna stay in my lane and um <laughs> You know, I do have Italian friends, but. <laughs> I love that response of like, some of my best friends are Italian. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes I'll make an Italian joke and be like, it's okay, my roommate's Italian. I didn't mean, I don't know, I don't know why he said it like that. It's, uh, um, it's my roommate. <laughs> not that I have a good Italian accent. I'm not like actually from right. Italy. No one in my family, like immigrated late in life and they like nobody has yeah. an accent around me so my accent is probably just as bad as yours would be all right so let's fly this plane out of italy and back to the u.s um hopefully yes. without covid on the plane and good luck with that because it's just not happening so yeah you real quick and dirty with the intro so let's get off to the to the races i was just gonna say to the horses because <laughs> you know horses race let's get over to the horses and pet them lovingly for hours i'm allergic to horses though by the way i just learned that this week oh my god yeah my allergy well, doctor was well, like goodbye horses and i was like eh. <laughs> that that's also what i said when i like stopped using ketamine <laughs> that's that's the te- like the outro you have to play and then also like that song has like the like the like very transphobic like shining in the lambs uh, yes. silencing of the lambs shining of the lambs silencing <laughs> of the lambs scene yeah so it's like iconically transphobic and about qu- quitting ketamine <laughs> and they they drop it in um clerks too yes like there's a little scene where jay is a tough <laughs> and is just standing there in his coat yes like, you me yes yeah. i've all right now that we're right, so we got from babe. italy to new, Jer- new jersey and then to Clerks 2, which is the most Jersey yeah, movie. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's what I'm saying. There, but like, so I like wanted to start this conversation mm-hmm. kind of like a codependency type sort of framing because I don't know when I think of, well, maybe we should start here is like, what is like your general experience with this topic of detaching with love? Sure. I mean, it's something I've been working on more recently. In the last few years, I've had to detach from whether it was romantic relationships or friendships with, you know, honoring my personhood, uh, struggling with the guilt, which is a big thing that I've been thinking about a lot lately of like, you know, when I leave certain people behind, let's say, or I get to a point where like, I have to remove myself from the involvement, even if it's one-sided at that point, what part of me is being a shithead and what part of me is being a doormat? Like Mm -hmm. if someone is 
okay, here's a big one because this is happening a lot right now. Like it's winter, people are getting hit with seasonal affective disorder, like bitch slapped across the face with it. And there have been people like very recently, I was working on a new song with a producer and he messaged me and told me he's like, winter just hit me hard. Like I don't have the bandwidth to work on this right now. And he was super apologetic. Like it was very clear that he wanted to and just could not have the bandwidth. And I was like, okay. I literally like, I, I was disappointed because I wanted to get working on this and now I'll need to find someone else. But I said like, Thank you for communicating honestly and openly, telling me you couldn't do it, mm. not wasting my time and walking around. And like, that was fine. And I wasn't upset and we just communicated and he was like, thank you for being understanding. And that's great. I've had other times where I've had friends who were in like depressed, dark periods or even like, oh God, like the last guy that I was involved with a while back, like, and they were in that like depressive black hole, which is not my type of depression. My type of depression is like suicidal mania for like mm. five hours and then i'm fine <laughs> like and then i'm fine i don't have the like what is it the fucking zoloft like missing piece you know like the little mm. round missing piece yeah. in it. Like, that's not my depression i don't know her i respect her from a distance i don't know her but then <laughs> i've had moments where like people couldn't couldn't show up with any measure of consistency and were badly communicating about it and i just had to be like okay what part of me is standing up for myself and what I need from the relationship. And then what part of me is like kicking someone when they're down. And so something I've been working on late and thinking about lately is like how to let someone who's in a dark place go, you know, and working on my, you know, am I overreacting? Am I being selfish in what I'm asking for? And it usually comes back to like, no, because if they're, you know, and whatever it is, like if they weren't clear in the communication, if they weren't clear in asking for a boundary to be set or whatever, then like, I can't just sit here preserved in amber and wait for this person to come back and like, mm -hmm. or I maybe just need to say like, okay, we're taking mutually taking space. This turns into a mutual thing instead of that person maybe expecting me to like, just stay there and have the same feelings yeah. or intentions or availability to them. But it's a complicated thing because I struggle with depression and I, I don't want to kick people when they're down. I know that darkness. But yeah, that's something I've been working around lately. So yeah, I've had experience with this, but I've been working on detaching with love. I'm not a big person. I'm blowing up at people. Like I've never been that person to blow up at people, but working on- you're Italian. Even though I'm Italian, but Sorry. you know, no, no, completely. I'm going right. to get canceled for this episode. No, it's, oh, please. It's fine. <laughs> um, but you know, like making sure that I'm not, I'm saying less out of hurt and really reflecting and saying what I feel like I deserve to say, but mm -hmm. out of a rational place and not out of Yeah. Heart. Or like in, it doesn't seem, I don't think you have a lot of DBT experience, but like what DBT would say, like, why is mine? You're like, Let's say like you have like two states of mind, like emotion mind, like the one that just like reacts emotionally and then rational mm -hmm. mind who's just like thinking like facts and like thinking ahead and stuff. And then like the synthesis of those two things is like wise mind. So like you can like see like the emotions you can see like and you can see the logic and you put those things together and make a decision based on like information, like synthesizing the information from those two things rather than relying on just one. Yeah, I think that's great. That's something I'm working towards, like honoring my emotions, making sure I say what's on my heart. Like this is how your actions impacted me and I'm turned off by this behavior and 
I either need some time to reflect or like, I think we should disconnect, you know, and not just like allowing it and not yeah. screaming at them and calling them ugly and telling them they have like a, their asshole is too hairy or whatever the fuck. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. I'm so gross. Sorry. Just not, well, just the, the person who I recorded with uh, yesterday just also has some like chaotic energy of just saying just bonkers shit. So. Uh, just two episodes in a row of this. But yeah, what was I going to say about... But yeah, like, so the episode that I'm currently editing, uh, which will be the second episode, I went on a long rant of, uh, like, about this, like, what you're saying. We're, like, trying to make sure you're not acting, like, and when I'm saying this, like, I am, like, this is, like, I'm mostly saying this, like, for me, because I am, like, very hypervigilant. And... I don't know, like, an example is, like, there's, like, a, someone in my IOP who, like, someone, like, much older than her was flirting with her and, mm-hmm. like, 30 years older. And, and like, she was talking about, like, trying to set boundaries with him. And, like, I, like, immediately jumped to, like, you know, do it in the public, like, have pepper spray, like. Sure, yeah. Like, like yeah. I am just, like, like, don't get murdered. Like, I probably, like, yeah, there's some truth to that, but I also was, like, acting out of, like, hypervigilance and probably scared her more than is, like, helpful. Where, like, you know, there is a possibility of a man reacting, responding with violence, but my brain is just, like, it's not a possibility. It's, like, just what's going to happen. But, like, what I was talking about is, like, trying to make sure that in these, like, complicated, like, relational situations, because that episode is also, like, about community, and so this one was, like, the both of these are really tied in with being like re- relational is like just trying not to act out of hypervigilance. I get like a really big fear response. And like the metaphor I said was like, like if you have PTSD and someone scares you, it like makes sense for your response to be to turn around and punch that dude in the face. Sure. And like, it makes sense, but it's like not good. <laughs> like, yeah. um, And like, we try not to use like judgments like that, but like, it's it's going to impact your relationships one way or another if that is how you respond. And even as someone who just jumps, it's like that can impact my relationships as well. People like get like sometimes they get offended. And it's just like, I don't have to tell you, dude, I just have PTSD. Like I'm working on it. No, I got it. I have uh I have two parents who are, you know, Mr. and Mrs. worst case scenario and everything is like, well, you know, if you drive on the road, you're gonna die because there's ice and this and that. And so like I I grew up with that and they don't really have I wouldn't necessarily say my parents have trauma. They don't identify as trauma survivors and they like they would not use the word. They're also not in therapy. So it's very likely like there are things I just don't know that they haven't mm-hmm. unpacked, but they're just like worry warts uh so i grew up with that i have you know i've dealt with hypervigilance i had a very uh significant abusive relationship and i was extremely hypervigilant for a long time after that and literally right now the fact that you're talking about this and you said that you are i'm like i think i've recovered from a lot of that and i i literally am just realizing that right now like wow i'm not the same as i was like two years ago i, I mean you're not welcome very Yes, thank you, my darling. Yeah, the baseball <laughs> bat is still next to my bed. Yeah, uh, and will always be. Will absolutely always be. I don't yeah. intend to do that. But yeah, so it's yeah. like, like my point is like, but try to like take like before you act, like try to calm down and like think it through and like what, because sometimes like 
you know, if you're punching people in the face all the time, people might actually want to jump you for real rather than they just walk into the bathroom when you're in there and you, like, cry. That that didn't happen, but things on that, (laughs) similarly, but yeah, like, it's, like, really important to, like, just, like, make sure that, like, how you respond to harm is mindful, but also at the same time, like I said there, like, if you're full on in survival mode, sometimes you just have to do like the drastic thing, like thinking, like talking about like detaching my love. Like I definitely had a relationship where like the other person was going through a really hard time mentally and in a specific way that was like deeply, deeply triggering to me. Okay. And like, I just had to get out of it. Like I just like needed to end that relationship. And like, cause it's like, well, now I am, like, suicidal, so, like, I, like, just need to, like, do this, and, like, it felt very sudden for them, and they felt very hurt, which is, like, all very reasonable, like, it wasn't, like, a loving detachment, but, like, sometimes you just, like, you're, like, far enough down the triangle that you just need to, like, eject. Yeah, I get that, and I always have, like, in those moments, like the last time I, last time I ended a relationship, the person I think got hit with a really like big bout of just like winter blues, I guess. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing. And I can hold space for, I really can hold space for that. Like, you know, it just, it happens. People tell me like, oh, you know, I like, I'm having a trauma day. I can't hang out. And I'm like, okay, like you explained you, you know, you set the boundary of like, I can't hang out. So you did not leave me in this lurch of like, okay, I'm going to call you, you know, we're supposed to hang out at 430. So I'm going to call you at 410 and let you know if I can hang out. Like, I, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. I can't do that. I need me to know either. to like move on with my day. You can't hold my day hostage. You just, you can't. And then, you know, what they had said was like, I was seeing this person and we had talked about seeing each other more often. And it was, the, you know, it was this great thing. And I felt like everything felt very mutual. And then all of a sudden within a couple of days, and we had literally talked in person about seeing each other more often. So I was like, great. Okay. Like, so my expectation is maybe like every couple of weeks, you know, something like that. We didn't live super, super close to each other. And then within a few days, I said like, hey, like before I weedy out, like I'd like to see you again, you know, and just like figure out when our next date is. Mm. And they came back to me with like this very casual, like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And they ran through like the next three months of plans. They were like, I have this birthday and like this thing I have to do with my parents and this and that for three months. Like it wasn't just like, yo, like uh, it's January now. Like, yo, January is going to be a mess, but like, let's talk February. Like January is going to be a mess. Let's uh, once I figure out when this friend is flying in from Colorado, like I'll let you know what dates they won't be here. Like that kind of thing. Instead, they gave me like three months and they didn't say like, I've been trying to figure out when I can see you or, you know, or like, I'm not fucking happy that I can't see like any indication of like, this is a bummer. Like, yeah, it's all fun stuff. And again, I'm not going to ask you to like cancel a trip or cancel a fun thing. You're like, not go to a concert, you know, to see me, like, I'm not going to ask you to do that, but to even just say like, listen, my January is kind of fucked but I would love to see, you know, I would love to see you like, can you give me a week to figure out when my friend is going to be here? That's big. And so I just sat there and I was like, so what are you saying? 
And the person said, like, sorry, I'm just kind of, like, being a depressive right now. I don't know when the next time is. And I was just like, okay. So I wound up ending it kind of the next day. And I'd given them the opportunity to, I'd said, like, so the last few days have been kind of different. And, like, let them kind of jump in and be like, yeah, I know. I've been just hiding out in my room. Like, I need a little, if they, you know, if they said, like, I need a little time, like, can I call you next week? That's the right way to kind of navigate asking for space, I think. Mm-hmm. And I've had friends. I, listen, I'm surrounded by fucking depressives. Like, I split my time between New York and Philly. Like, everyone <laughs> I know is depressed. Absolutely. Gay, like, everybody. Yep. So I'm used to this. Like, I can't be like, oh, like, no, you know, everybody around me is just, like, perfectly, you know, chemically adjusted. No, nobody's fucking chemically adjusted, including myself. But then they, like, you know, came in with the, like oh, I like, you know, I just need like time and I just need this and that. And I was like, okay. So I, I stepped back in that moment and I did it pretty lovingly. I like gave some counsel cause they had not like really done relationships mm-hmm. much. And I was like, okay, here's the deal. Just like, don't lie to someone and tell them you have time when you don't. Yeah. But I worked on in that moment, you know, just detaching in a loving way of saying like, listen, here's, here's how you hurt me. Cause I'd said, I was like, I look past things in a relationship that made me uncomfortable. And I'm glad that I am choosing to detach because this doesn't just get to be your poorly communicated decision. And mm. they asked, they were like, I had some feedback on like what made you uncomfortable. And I went into the specific red flaggy things that happened there. And that person still to this day, even though I suggest, cause like afterwards they were looking at my Instagram stories, like every day. And I was like, I had like 10 minutes after I posted, boom, there they'd be. And I'm like, this is hurtful and confusing. Cause like when I told you that I felt like we should detach, you didn't ask me to change my mind. You didn't tell me how much you liked me. You didn't tell me that I did really want to see you, but this doesn't work. Like you gave me nothing. Here you are on my Instagram stories. And I sent a message two days later. I was like, listen, I kind of regret that I pulled away. You pulled away first. Yes. I kind of regret that I pulled away. Because I think that things could have been communicated and worked out. And like, I, and I admitted, I was like, I, some of what I reacted with was out of hurt and I'm prepared to discuss and apologize. And the fact that you're still looking at my shit is very fucking confusing because it's like, do you miss me? Do you want me around? Like, why are you, you know, yeah. if you pulled away, why? And I asked them, and this was the thing I was most proud of when this happened. I was like, I either need you to get real vulnerable real fast And like, tell me what's on your heart. And we figure out a cadence of a relationship that feels mutual and is what you need. And then I can hold you in your darkness and like recognize when you need time to retreat and go Mm -hmm. into hibernation. That's reasonable. When it cuts me is when it's not okay. Hurt people, hurt people. We all know this. Uh, And I, and I said, or like, we have to disconnect at least for a while. Like just, we need to take an absence. And they were like, okay, yeah, I'll mute your stories. I was like, why not just fucking unfollow me? Like I unfollowed <laughs> you. The relationship is over. Like, what is it? It's telling me that you can't shake it. It's weird. Uh, and to this day, they still follow me on Instagram. Yeah. It's like I took, I went as lovingly as I could into that long dark night and even gave an opportunity for reconciliation. And this person is still following me on Instagram. And I'm like, oh, the boundaries. Boundaries. Yeah, boundaries are hard. But I really like. Kind of like, that's an example of my loving detachments yeah i really like appreciate that because like i think 
one of the things that like you really highlighted is like well i i feel like of detach like on this like on detachment i have been on like both sides of that and i think i have done it lovingly and i'm lovingly and it's been done to me lovingly and i'm loving me or not been done to me but been done in the context of my relationships and Like, so I've, like, been on kind of all sides of it and, yeah. like, thinking about, like, what makes, like, attached, like, detachment, like, loving versus, like, what is, like, abandon like, abandonment. Yeah. And, like, because, like, one of the things that I think of a lot or what I've been thinking of, like, knowing that we were about to have this conversation is that kind of, like, if, like, in this scenario, there's, like, someone going through something and then someone else who, like, is maybe, like, triggered by this other thing or not getting their needs met for this other like other reason or like it could be going both ways as well what or who's who's like in a state of confusion it's like okay where where are we going like do what do i what can i give you because really i'm sure you come into relationships from the same perspective of like okay if you're if you have a partner and that partner is in a dark place and maybe Mm -hmm. it's a new partner because this was like a new partner um how can I show up for you right now? That's a great question. And I was looking forward to asking it. I genuinely was like, when I knew this person was like not having a good time, I was like, okay, I would have asked like, how can I show up? And instead the communication is so confusing that you're like, yeah, do you, I think you don't want me to show up, but I think you want me to show up on your Instagram feed, but I don't know if you want me to show up, <laughs> I can't even, like, but you expect. Yeah. It's mixed signals for sure. Yeah. I've had opportunities to like unlovingly and then lovingly detach from people with time. And those are, those always feel more rewarding. And I get, so when I unlovingly detach from someone every time I have these regrets of like, maybe I, you know, was I being a shithead? Was I kicking them when they were down? And maybe I missed them because, you know, healing from a relationship isn't always just linear and it doesn't always take hours. And sometimes you're like, Oh, I miss them today. Like, I really shouldn't have said that. You know, maybe if I didn't say that, they would have jumped in and said, let's repair the relationship, whatever. The person I wrote my, I have a song out. The person I wrote that song about and I, I very unlovingly detached. Very. Went the fuck out on them. And like, it felt good for a minute. And then I what did that like, look like for the, for the audience? I mean, also audience, like you're a newer friend of mine, so I don't even know like yeah, your whole. Yeah. That deeds, was, but I, yeah. To, I sent a very short message to them. They had, I was supposed to go see them and this would have been at a distance and we had like plans to meet, and it was going to be this special thing. We hadn't seen each other in a while. And I knew that this person was, had like had a little had a little girlfriend not a girlfriend girlfriend but like had someone that they you know had in their pocket let's say Mm. um and I just never heard from the guy all week like very luckily I didn't book travel I didn't book like an Amtrak like you know and then the night of like the night I would have been seeing them I went to call them because I was like you know what and I like, I stayed home. I I made plans. I saw a friend that night. Like I did everything I could to not be just sitting there angsty about it. But I was like, I didn't hear from him. And this was the way he was. Like you just wouldn't hear from him for five days. Like, I'm so fucked up. I'm in bed. But, 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 you know, like the whole thing. Meanwhile, they're like looking at your Instagram stories or posting or something. I'm like, you're on your phone. 
Like you are on your phone and I'm not terrifically sympathetic when people are like on their phone and they're not like just answering like an important message. Maybe a meme, you don't have to answer me. If it's like plans where I'm put out, if you don't get back to me, yeah, that sucks. Yeah, Um, that's just important. So I I called and it went to voicemail, which in the entire, I'm gonna say very long time. I'm gonna say a high multiple of three years that this person and I had been involved on and off. I don't think a call ever went to voicemail. I could have called at five in the morning if I wanted to, and they would have picked up. Like we always answered the phone. So the fact that it went to voicemail, I was like, oh, this person is with that other girl instead. And I, I kind of went off. I'm going to say this because it's coming out in a song in a couple months anyway. So fuck <laughs> Oh, we got the sneak peek. Like, yeah, I, I had called the girl. I called the girl his little Molotov cock tease. And I was like, tell <laughs> your face. I wish her face your face. I was like, you, I have success- you have successfully used your little Molotov cock tease to blow up another relationship with someone who loves and cares about you along with many other friends and people in your life get help and now granted like i had been very concerned about this and like i'm obviously not gonna say who it is because i'm not gonna out someone's addiction issue i was like get help and get sober while you're at it because i like i had been trying to counsel this person towards help they needed it and i don't know now because i'm not talking to them they might still need it and Mm -hmm. i said like call me when you get to was it fucking step nine the amend step yeah i think it's eight or nine i don't know i don't do the steps that was the last thing i sent to them for like six months and that to me felt like that's hard for me like that's i usually if i'm communicating with someone i'm very cool and rational even if my heart is breaking i'm just trying to say what is on my mind and not fuck you you shithead like i'm not trying to do that i'm trying to just say this is how you hurt me i have to dip or like this is what i need to accept an apology and go from there. And then eventually we reconnected and then something happens where I had an opportunity to more lovingly walk away. And like in the the text, the last text I sent them, there are a couple things that are just little pot shots of like, you're never gonna get to look at my boobies again. <laughs> sorry, like, sorry, it has to be said. Yeah, I, sometimes I can't help but do little pot shots either. <laughs> It, I knew unfortunately with the way this person was like I knew that that's what was actually going to get them to listen like you're like I'm removing everything I've done for you over this many years is like I have to just close my hands lovingly and I said that I was like yeah I have to close my hands I didn't block you anywhere I will not cut off our communication which that was big to me because I think that blocking blocking is big and like if you block someone it's it's very final and it feels almost mm. like violent you know like it can feel violent now granted if you're blocking an abuser great like good Shut you up. should open. yes but if this is you know so i, I said, Just I was like, did it myself gonna... yeah good you know i'm not gonna block you even though you were shitty if you do want to reach out if you do want to apologize you can and then when i put my song out and they had known about the song like i had when we were i speaking, did wonder about that <laughs> yeah when i like whenever I, I listen to that, I like, what does this person think about this? Yeah. So when I, I talked to them in like February of, of uh, last year and we had talked, my, my grandmother had just died uh, and they had reached out, you know, they knew I was very close to her and we had talked and we were in a good place and we were in a good place for a while around that time. And I sent the lyrics. I was like, Hey, so you should know, like I've written some stuff because of, you know, just 
I was in quarantine and I was thinking and about mm -hmm. different relationships and experiences in my life and I was writing and I had sent the lyrics and like the little vocal demo I had of it because it wasn't done yet and they they loved it at the time at the time he loved it and I had said I was like listen there are like there are details in this that people might hear and like wonder if it's you people who know that we've had you know like relate like relationships in different ways over the years and this person had told me that like I have I had their blessing to release as as I wanted without changing details and he was like I'm an adult if someone says like yo is that about me I can take accountability for it realistically he would probably lie about it if anyone ever came to him like you know <laughs> I think I don't think he's like yo that's about me unless you tell him that it's got you know 5,000 streams at this point and then he's like yeah that's about me you know <laughs> yeah as he's told me in the past he's got a huge ego like he's he he's owned that so if he sees that oh well tara's got like 100 followers on spotify now yeah that's about me i'll take credit for that one but you know when we stopped speaking after that and i had that moment where i sent that letter after a huge boundary was crossed for me and i i could not I was like, no, after all this time, no, I need to like leave this as, as a friend. Cause this was not someone I was like sexually or romantically involved with at the time. Just a friend. I was like, this is too much for a friendship. Like I, we've always been involved. I don't think we can be friends. I think we need to call it now. So, you know, he never revoked consent to release the song or anything. And all of the proceeds were going to prevention point in Philly anyway, because I, I promised I would never exploit this person's pain for mm -hmm. profit. Like, it didn't feel right to me, you know, yeah. so I've donated money to Prevention Point. And then when I released it in October, I sent an email to this person. I was like, hey, I just want you to know it's out. You know, I'm not necessarily waiting for a response. I'm not going to say I don't care, but I'm not waiting for a response or a good one or a bad one. Like block my fucking email address. I don't, whatever you do, I have detached myself from it, but just like take care of yourself. Um, and I had sent the song that they, they had written a song about me many, many years ago, like when we were romantically involved and I, I had the only file of it left. Like literally I'm the only person who has the song. And I was like, PS, I'm putting this in the email. I wanted you to have it in case anything ever happens to, to it. And I sent that, never got a response, didn't expect one and glad I didn't because I need that distance like someone continuing to show up after that is fucking confusing. Mm -hmm. um, but I did see on Bandcamp that there was a listen from the city where they live. <laughs> they heard it. Damn, you're they you're really on top of who's looking at your stuff. <laughs> I I'm too I'm way too on top of it. But I, maybe you know what? So I know how I said like before I'm not that uh hyper vigilant anymore. Maybe that's my hyper vigilance. I did have I've had a couple people stalking my Instagram in the past that were like very inappropriate like really they should not have been like uh like the molotov cocktees mm. like that literal person i had to i found like i found a place of business let's just say i'm not gonna say what their business is on my instagram and when i found out that it was them i was like oh they've been stalking me from their little uh let's call it a nail salon sure why not you know, from their nail on account and then there was uh the possibility that they had made like a creeper account also to look at my stuff and so i've had moments where like yeah that's this was concerning. my yeah. my abuser my abuser hat was using someone one of his flying monkeys 
accounts, you know, to, to stalk me after I left the relationship. And I think that's where, that's probably the one way in which I'm hypervigilant. Like that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Flying monkeys for people who are listening and maybe don't know in narcissist lingo, you know, you have your narcissist, you have your victims, and then you have narcissistic supply. Supply is a victim, friends, anyone who bolsters the narcissist, anyone who makes them feel confident, anyone they can sap energy or love or sex or whatever from, it's their supply. Flying monkeys are, so let's say, and I'm going to bring it back to an area that Sadie and I know well, you're in, if you're in the Philadelphia punk community, let's just say, and you have that <laughs> Sorry to say. <laughs> <laughs> if you have that one lead singer in the band who we know has been bumping around with some underage girls mm. at Temple and you know those girls get together and they call the guy out mm -hmm. the flying monkeys are that guy's bandmates or other girlfriends or the, friends the, the, the good guy like the good dude back hards or yeah like yeah like that's yeah, my bro like, like you those like guys uh, he's might... never been mean to me <laughs> like yeah and then they I used also to be like the flying in arguments with, with, with those people forever like forever like yeah. until four like, in the morning i would like be up like God. yeah like, it's like, like rich is just really a dick punchy. i just picked rich at random but just like rich is a dick stew is a dick and they're like no he's good but yeah the flying monkeys are the types who will like try to let's say kiss the ass of the victims and report back or seek out ways that they can mm -hmm. smear that person's reputation like yeah. they they're more involved than just defending they're actually doing things that will harm the victim and support the abuser so uh yeah, yeah like a, like a thing that i've come across in the past like in the like philly punk community is people privately outing abusers like not wanting to do like the whole like cancellation rigmarole, yeah. the whatever, because it, because it sucks ass, and it does. People like so people just privately like, in smaller spaces, being like, heads up, like maybe don't date this guy because this is what he did to me, and like that's it. Not yeah. wanting to like, get him off of shows or whatever. Just like wanting to be like, I don't want people to get hurt, but I also can't yeah. like do any more than this and. Then people screenshotting it and like sending it to the abuser, and then like, that's and then, flying of course stuff. that's just that's like it. welcoming more abuse. So it fucking sucks. But yeah, that's like that's the example that I thought of when you were describing that because that's a term that I'm not familiar with. But yeah, I think you've gone on like <laughs> quite like a roller coaster. But like, I think you've really painted the picture that like the difference between like loving detachment or unloving detachment or even abandonment seems to be like communication that's like, so big for me yeah i will always over communicate if i need to like i'd really rather if someone let's say if someone were to break up with me which is i've broken up with people now people have broken up with me like i can't mm -hmm. say i'm a gold star girlfriend where i've only <laughs> been the dumper like i've been the dumpy i'll acknowledge yeah that. i've been at all not in a like what not in a Cleveland steamer way, just like a dumpy um in terms of getting dumped. <laughs> your eyes just bulged out of your head. And the big thing is communication. I could kind of sit there and someone could say, like, yo, I'm not feeling this, this is over. And I could go, okay. And mm -hmm. like, yeah, part of me would probably have some allure and mystique for just going, okay, bye. And then part of me is like, okay, but I should kind of communicate, like, if something was done that felt very hurtful, you know, I've just had relationships where I just was like, you know what? 
we've been hooking up for a couple months and like, you know, you don't really have time anymore. You're going on tour, whatever. Like, let's call it, you know, call me, call me back when you've got the time and like, it's fine. And that's where you just say, okay. But if it's something where someone was doing something hurtful or the consistency changed, because I'm like a consistency. Me too, big I, I can take a... Like, talk about something that triggers my hypervigilance is when, yes. like, something I expect... Like, something, yeah, something I expect just doesn't happen and it wasn't communicated to me, then it's, like, something is wrong, this person is dead, this person is, like, mad at me, they, like, I got canceled, <laughs> like, and, like, they abandoned sure. me, like, it's just, yeah. like, it just is opening up all the rumination. Absolutely. Yeah, that's big for me. That communication, like with me, if you set a pattern, I get to a point where I get used to that pattern. And if there's a deviation from that pattern, I guess that's where, you know, I guess maybe I'm hypervigilant after all. But like, that's, it's not as much survival mode, but it's triggering something that's deeper at this, at this point yeah. with the healing I've done. You know, if you're talking to somebody every day for like three weeks and you're talking four hours a day, then all of a sudden you don't hear from them for two days you're like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm ghosted, you know? And I'm just, you know, like, I need that consistency. It doesn't have to be, we're talking 18 hours a day, every day, even yes. you're stepping away from your family on Christmas to talk to me. Like, no, we don't need that. What I need yes, is, I agree with you, you know, you're very much speaking my language right now. Yeah. Like just setting boundaries or let's say, cause I'm sure you've had them. I've had them relationships where it's like okay this is a casual hookup and we hook up like every two weeks and we don't really text much in between like that's something I've had in my life that's great for me because it's consistent mm -hmm. that's the most important thing I just want stable footing because I've had inconsistent relationships I've had the narcissistic you're my life you're everything but I'm going to treat you worse than anyone I know like which causes this cognitive dissonance I've left an abuser that cognitive dissonance is there so the most my love language really is not just like acts of service or this or that my love language is just consistency and communication i want to walk yes. across a smooth ass tile floor with you whether we're running to get married or we're taking a leisurely stroll or we're holding hands or we're not i just want to walk on even footing and i'm happy it doesn't have to be rapturous involved obsessive love every time mm -hmm. it just has to have consistency and often when i detach from someone lovingly whether i'm leaving or they're leaving and this is with friendships too i've mentioned romantic relationships a lot but like this is you know certain times where friendships i was just like mm, okay i'm disappointed or you know this relationship this person is just going somewhere i can't follow I often explain, you know, if this had been communicated differently, I would not be doing this. That comes up pretty much every time I've had to do this. Like the relationship I had mentioned the last time I dated someone, like if you had just said, yo, I am looking at my calendar for the next three months. It's kind of crazy. I hate that I can't see you. And I've like, I should have came to you and told you this when I said I wanted to see you more often, but give me a couple days and I want to see what I can move around. Mm -hmm. that's yeah. great i might yeah. still be it's involved like, with that person who knows yeah it's really like so simple like i think well i think it's like so simple like well, we I have a higher emotional intelligence i guess <laughs> where we're yeah like i don't think i don't know if you even know 
the story, but something that happened recently was like an ex of mine uh, who was an ex at the time, like, like, and like you were saying, like, you know, we don't got to text 18 hours a day and like you, like, I don't even need you to like pick up every time I call, but like all of a sudden they disappeared for four days straight. Ooh. And, and had you guys talked almost every day at least? Yes. Like my partner oh, for over could... a year. <laughs> like Oh, that's a huge fucking change. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure you were worried you were fucking dead. Yeah, that's a big <laughs> that's scary. Yeah, like and like went camping and did not tell me. And like so simple to send a text like, hey, I'm going camping, I'm not gonna have service. Like Yeah, that's you, the thing is like so easy for my like i like like this need of like consistency or in lieu of consistency communication about the change of consistency is like the best thing you can do like as like an ally to some like to like me specifically like as someone with with uh, cptsd like is like just let me know what's happening like do if you surprise me if you surprise me with like a new car, which is pointless because I don't have my license, but if you surprise me with something big, like something like good, like don't don't do that either. Like it like fucks up my my sense of reality. Like I feel like something is wrong. Like if you're like hiding a surprise party, like and you're doing like a little like gremlin behaviors to plan the party, and I notice the gremlin behaviors, but don't realize there's a party happening. Like my brain is gonna take that and be like. Oh my god, they're they're like, they're like literally plotting to kill me. It's like yeah. thoughts that I'm not unaccustomed to having. And yeah, like That's just tough. yeah. And I'm I'm not trying to like talk shit. I'm just saying that like it can be so protective to just like be as communicative as possible and like things happen and like there are hard conversations that can be hard to bring up and like sometimes like it feels like a survival thing to not bring certain things up or whatever like we all have our reasons um but like yeah just communication being such an act of love um within like a detachment like like getting like ghosted like sucks but like there was one time where like I got ghosted and then, like, someone who I talk to, like, every day for, like, a few months. And then she ghosted me. And then three months later, she texted me, texted me and was like, I'm sorry for ghosting you. And I was like, this is amazing. Like, this is, I've never had, like, because sh- shortly before that, someone, like, detached from me by saying, I like, with no explanation at all, like, I hate you and never want to see you again. So this was, this was like a decade ago, but having someone like apologize three months later for ghosting was like, wow, this is very sweet. Like, yeah, I I wasn't, I wasn't happy when he just suddenly disappeared and like, I was in a really bad space, but like, I was in a bad space unrelated to this person ghosting me, but Yeah, but, like, that communication piece is just so important, and... Yeah, I don't think 
have to do it for everybody. Like, I don't think you have to message your entire contact and you're just like, yo, I'm fucking depressed. I need, like... No, but if, like, they text you... If this is a partner... This is, like, not the... Like, like, for every reason, like, I can't, like, I can't have this conversation right now. Like... Yeah, like, I... So, my best friend lives in Pittsburgh. I'm in Jersey. So, I, you know, we do not get to see each other in person very often. But we've also been best friends for, like, eight years. And if I'm... You know, if I don't hear from her or even if I don't hear back for a bit, I'm kind of almost not worried because I have I could reach out to her parents. I could reach out to people like I could text and call her roommate like I, I don't have to worry as much. They would also come to me if something was wrong and I would not assume she's mad at me. I would just assume that like she's busy. She's working. I know her well enough. It is it is almost shittier when it's someone that it's only been around for a month, a few months because you don't mm-hmm. know them that well and you're not locked in. And then you feel that pressure from people to be like, oh, like you were only dating for a couple months. So just like, just get over it. And it's like, yeah, but this per like, you know, very my fair lady, like I grew accustomed to her face. Like you do get used to someone in a month's time yeah, and then it for sure. goes away. And you're like, what the fuck did I do? You know? And yeah it's very destabilizing it is it sucks and it like of course it fucking ruins your week your month or even your year little little friends reference even though i fucking don't like friends but i do that (laughs) stupid ironic clap all the time oh my god but yeah yeah, um is key yeah it's so important tell someone you're not feeling great just be like yo i gotta fucking hide out for a couple days i i had a partner like if I, I'll go like on if, no go on like I, if i was just told like i'm going camping i'd be like cool have fun <laughs> but yeah, instead like, i was like photo. wow like i'm being abandoned or she's dead or like yeah. who or like something really horrible happened and she doesn't feel like she can tell me because she doesn't want to trigger me like oh yeah like just like the brain does so much and i'm really <laughs> trying to throw someone under the bus which is really relevant um because I, I know she will listen <laughs> yeah no that's like i totally to. relate to that i had a great partner for a while like a year who had i guess dep- i don't know like i don't know they didn't have a diagnosed depression just they would have moments where they needed to hibernate so you know we would talk we would see each other every few weeks or whatever and then i would sometimes get the text of like yo, I'm just like in a hibernation space right now. I'm kind of sorry I haven't reached out. We weren't in love. It wasn't like a romantic thing, just friends with benefits. And he would just tell me like, I'm in hibernation mode. You know, you're the first person that I'm going to call when I'm like ready to see people again. And I could still text him at the time. He wasn't like, don't talk to me. He was just like, I'm probably not going to be up for company. And it was so refreshing, but I guess that's what you get when you like date 40 year old guys as opposed to like 29 year old (laughs) boys. Uh, you know, it was just very refreshing that he was like, I'm not really going to be up for company with anybody. And that was big too. hearing like, it's like, not just I don't want to see you. It's like, I really don't want to see anybody right now. Yeah. Like, so much better to hear even just like fucking lie. Um, and then he would call me when he was like, ready to kind of dehibernate. And I was like, yeah, I don't feel like you're preserving me in amber here. and just waiting to pick me up and, and shake me around again. Like, it just it it was respectful and we weren't in love and the expectation wasn't that we were going to be together forever or in a relationship. So I was like, yeah, you're still hot. Yeah. So when you call, if I'm free, if I'm single, I'll pick up, you know, and if I wasn't single, 
I felt like I would have been safe to tell him like, yeah, so actually I've been seeing someone and like, it's, it's kind of monogamous, but I know I would have proactively come to that person at the time and said, Hey, listen, I've been seeing someone. It's kind of getting to a monogamous place. I want to manage your expectations for when you call me next. It shouldn't be that hard to do. (laughs) It shouldn't be like, that's easy, simple. And I told him the same thing at the time. Like, yo, if you're dating around, and you find someone and you hit it off, like, please just tell me so we can like hang out one last time. And like, and he'd be like, yeah, of course I would do that. Like we are, we are friends. We're always going to be friends no matter what. That's, that's all you need. And if I were to lovingly detach from that person, it'd be very easy. Cause we would just say, oh, he's got a girlfriend now where I've got a boyfriend. Like, I love you. We could still go to the movies. We could still be friends. Easy. No drama. Yeah. No this, one has to say who got hurt. This really brings up for me um, something my therapist talks a lot about is like boundaries, setting boundaries is an act of love because like boundary setting is something I'm so bad at. And like, but like that, like that is like what a lot of what you're, you've been talking about is illustrating for me that like, yeah, like like we said, like like when poor communication happens, like for us, like it triggers like the hypervigilance, that worrying, that anxiety. And but like when someone just lets us know what's going on, even if it is them saying like I like don't want to be in contact with right now or something like that. Uh-huh. Like just being told that. And knowing what the expectations are and knowing what to expect yourself like is so protective and like my therapist would always talk about this concept and I like didn't really get it and then like I broke up with my partner and like I was like calling one of my friends crying like every other day and I was like like I can't even make it like a week without calling you like are like like are you mad at me like are you like you feel like burdened by me or whatever and she was like say one day you're gonna call me and I'm gonna be like I had a long day I'm just gonna watch tv like can you just talk to someone else and then I was like oh my god like that that is like the kindest thing like anyone's ever said to me it's it's just like yeah like I care about you but like you know like because if you push your boundaries for some someone like nine chances out of ten like it's gonna lead to like resentment and all this shit but if you just like step up and say like all right one of these days like it's i'm not gonna have time and it's not personal it's just that like i got my own life and stuff and then just like knowing that they felt comfortable to set that boundary and that that setting that boundary like shows like a particular like like that they value like the relationship that they want to keep it like and that's a loving boundary to say, like, I like, I love you. You know, I'm here for you, but I need today to just be off my phone. That's key too. I think that's great. Cause you can just set a boundary and have it be hard. Like, like, uh, that guy saying like my next three months are super packed. That doesn't feel like a boundary that feels like slamming the door in someone's face. And that's yeah. like, 
and oversetting of boundaries where it feels violent. And then, of course, yeah, like I was upset because I was like, like what did I do? Like, to deserve, what did I like, do? Yeah. You just told me you wanted to see me more often. Now you're telling me you can't see me for three months. Like, what the fuck happened? But yeah, with your friends saying, like, I might tell you, like, I love you. I'm sorry you're having a shitty day. I'm having one too. I need to just like watch TV, you know, happy to call you in a couple days. That's real communication. And that's, I mean, it's not detachment because they're not, you know, ending your friendship or anything, but that's at least like they're stepping away, like not, maybe not attached, detaching, but like stepping away momentarily, like with love, with love and care. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, you know, if I'm accepting someone to be available and I like, like I'm having a hard time and I text someone and like, I don't know that they're not going to be available or they got something else going on then I will just like get anxious about that person not getting back to me and then not reach out to anyone else. But if like someone tells me like, I like I'm busy right now, like I'm at work, whatever, then I'm like, okay, well I have like a million friends. Like I can like just go somewhere else. I can go to like a meeting. Like there is like other places I can go and I can like, I only know to do that if, like, I know that, like, something I'm trying isn't working right now. Yeah. And I've so seen I need you, to be like, told out. I've seen you post on social media, like, hey, like, I'm looking to, um, you know, I'm kind of looking for this. I'm kind of looking for company and, like, something yeah. so the listeners know, like, you know, um, when you weren't feeling well recently, I told you that I would check in with you a lot because you had a lot of anxiety about this. And, like, yes, I was happy to do it. And I kind of went through, I did a little moral inventory of myself and I was like, what do I have bandwidth to do? Um, And I was like, okay, something I could do is I could just send Sadie a message. Like, how are you feeling today? Yeah. And it was easy. And like, look at how that, that strengthened a friendship that was growing. Yes. Like I kind of gave you a sense of what my bandwidth was. Like I couldn't, you know, I don't live near enough to you to be able to come over and like drop off groceries. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to, you know, I would have loved to. Shout out to the people who I, did. And I, yeah, I know that. Yeah. yeah amazing like or I or I would have had like Instacart come drop off groceries to you or mm-hmm. something like I would have happily done that but I figured out a way that I could show up for you and you told me it was okay you were like this would not be unwelcome this would be super appreciated and then I just did it and yeah, like no I'm and not it, like made me feel like someone gave a shit whether I was like alive or not like oh I super I was super worried like you know it's yeah. it, the world it's, fucking, it's so it's unpredictable it's a fucking pandemic uh, and I'm sure in life I've dropped the ball in checking in on people or there were yeah. times where like I could only give so much and then I was tapped out by what they asked or needed. And I'm sure I haven't perfectly communicated unavailability, but I'm working on only extending what I can. And that's big with relationships like your friends. Yeah. Like I will not be able to extend this support to Sadie today because I'm just having a hard fucking day. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's fine you have to take that inventory of yourself and a lot of people don't want to think about what they can give or can't give because they feel like they have to give too much or they don't like to think about themselves very much but i encourage people to start doing that before entering relationships or friendships (laughs) and pouring from an empty cup and then having to go oh uh stop harassing me I dove in. I dove in too fast. Uh, <laughs> Stop harassing me. Yeah, I dove um, in too fast. Like, that's not my problem. It's your problem. <laughs> it's definitely my problem. <laughs> but anyway, um, 
before we start to wrap up there like I, there's one last point i wanted to make i don't know how exactly far we in the list but we're pretty far into it is like this i like the idea of like loving detachment and like abandonment because like as someone who does have abandonment issues like like when i have like first heard like the phrase like loving detachment it like kind of set like red flags for me because Mm -hmm. it just made me think like abandonment and like i think at least like in my experience if like in this like dichotomy that's not always true because like all dichotomies are false dichotomies like of like there's someone who's like going through a thing and there is someone who may be going through a thing but is like maybe like codependent with this person who's going through the thing and like so there's like those two sides and sometimes and like at least in my experience like whoever is being like detached from like more likely than not like no matter how loving you do it it may feel like abandonment like especially if you have like abandonment trauma um like cptsd like it could be really tricky and like like that communication is like such an important thing because like i like i just remember an experience where like someone really close to me had something like really horrible happen uh when they came to me for support I had a panic attack I was really triggered by it I couldn't even tell you to this day why um I have a few more guesses but in the in the years past and they kind of like set a boundary do you like you like you're just a mess right now like and I am a mess and like I need like space and then like in that time frame like I like reflected on the relationship and like where I was at and stuff and like decided to detach and like I felt like some level of like guilt for leaving like at that vulnerable time and and that person told me later that like they definitely felt abandoned at the time and that's totally fair but then several months later they're like wow you like really made the right decision <laughs> like wow like yeah like, like so that that's just to say like and I don't want to put anyone's business out there too much but that's just to say that like yeah. it might not always feel good at first like if like because sometimes setting a boundary sounds scary it's like I I will I have benefited from this more loose boundary and now it's really like firm and I don't know how to like navigate that and so it like it can feel very bad especially like at a dark time in your life but like I don't know like that's just something I always remember of like yeah that was like a really difficult decision and like even if like it was met with a lot of anger at first which like is I think is totally fair to be able to like eventually be like I oh like I did the right thing and that person like agrees which I guess I'm just to say and like if like if you find yourself in a space where you need to do this like in a relationship for your own safety or maybe even that other person's safety mm-hmm. that like just even if it doesn't feel like as long as you're really like mindful and thoughtful and like of the thing of like what you're doing sure um like it will probably 
like as long as you're mindful like it will like be good as long as you are yeah like even if it does if even if it doesn't feel good at first that's why like sometimes the detachment is just for the better yeah you know it really is sometimes you, you know it is just it's not like oh wow i'm such a better person now that you're out of my life it's just like this relationship was taking a lot of bandwidth and it wasn't serving maybe yeah. either of our she wasn't yeah, getting something, like, out of, something out of her because like speaking of like um like like in terms of like codependency it's like sometimes like like and i think a characteristic of that is like you're just trying to like fix the other person's problem or like you're trying to be like the solution to whatever they're going through sure and a lot of times you're just making things worse for everyone by like imposing your will on things that like, that your will doesn't get like that no like nothing else like the universe will not just bend to your will and like sometimes that causes problems sometimes like, the best thing for both people to do is just like i like i don't know like somewhere along the lines like our like relationship got like really like out of balance and it's like not safe for either of us so yeah we just have to like detach them maybe just for now maybe forever like yeah sometimes yeah whenever i hear people talking about like being in couples therapy i'm like oh you don't just break up like i don't understand i will say i think couples therapy is fantastic Um, oh i'm not knocking it i just i guess i guess it really just points out my um that i am on the flight on the fight sure i think think couples therapy should be (laughs) proactive i think if it's re i mean i think if it's reactive ultimately like the right decision is the right decision. And if the right decision is to divorce, couples therapy might bring that about sooner, but then it was probably mm-hmm. the right decision. Uh, couples therapy is a proactive resource. I do recommend like to people who are in pretty good relationships and want to get married or whatever, doing some premarital counseling feels like a good thing to do because if the issue, like the couple's counselor is not going to create the issue. And mm-hmm. now you could say like, if the husband is having an affair, you know, the husband might go for 25 years with the wife never knowing about the affair. But even if the husband dies and the mistress shows up at the funeral, then it's really fucking shitty for your wife to have to be widowed and, like, learn about yeah. the affair without you to, like, kick. I mean, granted, she could kick the corpse, but, like, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, you know, they, they don't really get re- recourse there. Um, I Yeah, so I think as a proactive resource, it's great. I I did it with one partner. We were in a good spot, just we were in a very long-term relationship. And we were like, you know what? Okay, why don't we do this? And it had an incredible effect on our relationship. Every single, from intimacy to communication to a sense of solidarity, every single thing was improved. And I'm I'm very grateful that we decided to do that. Uh, it It really did help. And it brought up issues that I didn't know, that he didn't know. He had never done therapy of any kind, individual or otherwise. And he was like, oh, this, I like therapy. I was like, yeah, I knew you would. Like, everybody should like therapy. It's fucking great. You get to talk about yourself for 45 minutes. Hell or yeah. like your dumbass ex-boyfriend or your mom. Yes. You get to shit talk your mom for 45 fucking minutes. Do it. Like, Hell if you yeah. can do it. If it's accessible to you. If yes. you can afford it. But even like recovery groups are great. I think people don't realize how many recovery groups there are. There's gambling addiction, shopping addiction. Uh, 
there's California sober recovery groups where yeah, you want to I'm in one and toke toke a little weed. Uh, you can. There's love and sex addiction groups, which I think people always hear sex addiction and they're like, oh my god, like I'm not a sex addict. But if you're sitting there and you're literally in relationship after relationship and they keep blowing up, like maybe yeah, maybe you have BPD, but maybe you also just have this like this thing where you can't shake this and you could have both and you know explore go to a meeting it's free and now you can do it from your fucking couch because they're on zoom and uh change your name to fucking bob hoskins in the bottom like nobody (laughs) now now with zoom oh my god i would tell anybody who's been wanting to explore recovery like you could mute your camera no one has to see your goddamn face you could put in a fake name that's the whole point it's anonymous it's whatever it is anonymous it's so great you don't have to sit there and like do your makeup you don't have to sit there you could be fucking eating a sandwich in the middle of it like yep sure can but i i super recommend that to people because i think they don't know it i wouldn't say it's therapy i would say still like i recommend therapy but it's a form of therapeutic work Mm -hmm. and hearing other people share stories yeah and it builds like community like it does you can That's find a great sponsor. what i've liked about like the groups I, like, the, like i'm into recovery groups and yeah like just like getting to know other people who have like similar struggles and similar coping skills and stuff like that's really cool hearing you know hearing leads and, and testimonies is something mm-hmm. that you can explore in a group i've you know i um I do not identify as an addict or someone who is actively in recovery, but in periods of healing from, you know, relationships that felt traumatic or very unstable, I, you know, would go to like a love and fantasy addict meeting and you just kind of listen to people talk about how they've um, established their self-worth outside of relationships. And it's just a good reminder that even if you don't feel like you're an addict, you know, or you don't feel like this has been a problem for you for a while, it is kind of good to check in if you've struggled with that part of yourself or sex addiction. Hey, you feel like your relationship with porn doesn't feel good right now. You know, go to a, go to a sex and addiction recovery meeting. Like, you know, it's not always people just telling you your heart, like horror stories. Sometimes it's just like, well, you know, I, uh, I kind of relapsed today and I started looking at porn again and, it didn't make me feel good. And so I'm taking a break and it is nice to hear those stories and, and feel compelled to share yourself. And, uh, you know, you could talk through some things that you're feeling and maybe people there will be like, you know what, do you want a sponsor? Do you want someone to work on this with? Or we're in this text thread where we talk about feelings of wanting to relapse and you could have people who will support you. I know a lot of people who have become sober like during the pandemic or over the last few years and they don't identify as addicts or alcoholics but I'm like yeah if you find like a sober text group or you could text someone you're like wow I'm really tempted to drink today and they're like ho don't do it and then you don't do it that's so great that's so great I'm always volunteer I'm I'm not sober in terms of an ex-drinker I've just I've been like edge like my whole life Mm -hmm. Uh, so I'm I'm always volunteering to be people's sober buddy. I'm like, text me if you want to drink. And like, we could talk about something you can do instead. And I've had people come to me like that in life. And I'm very happy to extend that service because it is all about community. Yeah. You told me to buy a onesie. I did. Yeah. So (laughs) listeners of the pod, uh, Sadie and I were talking and 
we had been talking about just, I guess, some kind of self-care. And I had said, so the listeners can't see this, but I'm wearing a, a chicken onesie right now that my my beloved ex-boyfriend, Ed, got me. We love Ed in this house. We love and stan Ed. He got me this onesie and I wear it when I want to feel small. And that's my self-care space. I, I say, I'm going to be small now. I put on my onesie, I get cozy and I watch like comfort TV and have a little snack and hang out with my chickens, uh, my cats. And, you know, I'm small in that moment and I don't talk much and I'm just quiet and resting. Uh, and that's me being the chicken. So I suggested that Sadie get one as well. And you picked a horse and it looks super cute on you. I've seen some photos. It sure does. And look, this one has little hand covers. Oh my God, I love that. All right, well, now that we're talking about onesies, I think For that's sure. where we wrap up the yes. episode. So- ending questions for me yes so we end with gratitudes on this podcast so i will share two things i'm grateful for but you can just share one because this is also where i thank my guests for coming on the show and being vulnerable and open and very thoughtful and like having a lot to say and always too much for me always oversharing (laughs) yeah i mean i mean there definitely is italian stereotype of just not being able to shut up and i'm not italian and i also have can't shut up disease um i need to go to can't shut up anonymous (laughs) i guess that's i guess that's like what a podcast is just put my all my like talking energy into this podcast and then i'll I'll shut up for the rest of the time because I'll be tired of talking. Let's start that fucking group. That's I'm down. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm grateful for you to coming on. Like, like I, and like what we just met like a few months ago. So it's cool that like someone I like just met is like willing to come on and do this with me. So I really appreciate that. Um, what I'm grateful for today. Hmm. I didn't really like do a whole lot today. I'm grateful for like we were just talking about like meetings on Zoom. I'm grateful for meetings on Zoom because of like COVID now and stuff. Like I am being really careful about leaving the house because the numbers are so nuts. And that I can just go into a meeting on on my computer I can like video mute if I get like paranoid which happens sometimes Mm -hmm. and just listen um is really nice and like when I was in the hospital like I even called in to one of my meetings and sat on the shitty hospital phone listening to people whose voices made me feel at home so I'm like really grateful that like again like for the internet during COVID because being cut off from that community. Like I wouldn't even know in that community if it wasn't for Zoom meetings. Um, is the, yeah, I'm really grateful for that. That sounds fabulous. I, in turn, I'm grateful for a couple things. I will, I will name them. Uh, I am grateful to Soul Glow for bringing us together. <laughs> shout out. Yes, shout out to the Kings. I love my boys. Um, I am grateful. I just discovered the solo music of Gail Ann Dorsey this this weekend. Gail um, was a bassist for Bowie in like the 90s and mm. 2000s. 
and I just heard her sing live last night and I just like completely fell in love. So I've been listening to her album today. Uh, very grateful to discover new music and to remaining open. I've, yeah. uh, I've really celebrated that I am in a place now where I'm very open. If someone comes to me with a music recommendation or a movie, I'm not just like, oh, that doesn't sound like that would be my thing. I'm like, yeah, I'll listen to it. It takes three minutes of my time. And someone feels like they maybe had an impact on my taste. And that's cool. Uh, and lastly, I'm going to I'm gonna bring over this little thing. This is this is exclusively for Sadie. So, uh, you know, all you listeners can, can fuck off here. Uh, not really. <laughs> really, I love all of you, but I'm grateful for my chickens. Oh, my God. Beautiful kitty. I'll, I'll when uh, I, when you get your little little horse friend on. I'll bring her back so we can put her in a little photo. Yes, amazing, amazing. This is Simone, and I have Lugosi at home. Lugosi is in the other room. Hi, baby. So yes, I'm grateful for my chickens always. They are, um, I they touch parts of my heart that no other person has ever been able to. They're special to me. That's so. cute and amazing. And then my last um, question for you is any self-promotion that you would want to do? Sure. Um, so my band name is Sweaty Lamar, like Hetty Lamar. Uh, I I've been meaning to called... tell you this. Like I like listened to like an interview you did, and like I didn't realize that your name was a reference to Hetty Lamar, which was funny because I didn't know about her until the last time I was in the hospital. Like there was like a fiction book about her, like ah. and her involvement in World War II and stuff. Yeah, that, like. I it was just it's like such a, like a Oprah book club book like a like a wine mom book club sort of thing. I didn't finish it, but like I thought it was like an interesting story, <laughs> and then that- I was like, wow, that's so that's such a funny like like that's a, your band name is a Hedy Lamar reference because that too I was just reading about in the psych ward. It was always going to be a celebrity pun I had thrown around Bitchard Nixon. Um, oh my like, god. I don't want to get I don't want to pay tribute to fucking tricky dick. Yes. Um, you know, it was always going to be something and uh, I had come up with Sweaty Lamar and I was very pleased about that cuz uh I love that she's not just a pretty face, you know. She she did something amazing. Her discoveries led to the invention of Wi-Fi. Like this was an incredible yeah. woman who was like, "I'm hot. I want my scientific grant money. I'm going to go act." And like Yes, bitch, get that coin. Uh, so yeah, my music is Sweaty Lamar. Uh, I have a song called I Have Always Been In Love With You on Spotify. I have a, thank you. I have an acoustic version, which I, I almost prefer. I think the acoustic version is much more what I was feeling when I wrote the song. And so now we yeah, have two versions. That makes sense. All, um, it's, you know, for sale on Bandcamp. You can download it for free by all means, but any... Uh, any tips from that go towards Prevention Point Philadelphia, which is a cause I'm very passionate about, uh, someone who has loved addicts and alcoholics. And I also have a fragrance deal with a company called Scentcraft. It is a charity fragrance. So uh, there's a link on my Instagram, which is at Sweaty Lamar. You could either buy the perfume that I created or create one of your own. It's like a really fun experience. It genuinely is a self-care item. I would recommend it for people like creating your own fragrance. Uh, really, it's a luxurious experience, but all of the proceeds, all of my proceeds from that will be going towards right now. It's an eating disorder foundation that one of my followers suggested. And every month I'll have a new charity as a recipient for uh, sales of the fragrance and your own fragrance. So yeah, that's me. That's cool. Wow, now I want to have a 
celebrity like pun uh band name like henry kissinger but dead um henry i mean you could just do like henry pissinger mm. you know see i would just want to be like henry kissinger please die you're old like why are you still alive like what the fuck i mean i by all means go for that uh my, <laughs> one of my one of my favorite things is the way anthony bourdain like fucking hated henry kissinger like he'd be talking about his travels he's like if you go to like cambodia you will leave wanting to put henry kissinger through a cheese grater yeah. i was like babe i don't like need to go today. to cambodia yeah. I'm down already. Like, sign me the fuck up. But yeah, I I love when certain celebrities hate other celebrities. Like, it just. <laughs> I also like the I also like one. the perception of Henry Kissinger as a celebrity. <laughs> I mean, he kind of, you know, like he On kind the, of. Like, yeah, I yeah, he is a, like a person known outside of his own like social circles. Like, I guess that's He's... how you want to find a celebrity. Like. He's someone that RuPaul like might have a contestant do on Snatch Game. Like people know who Henry Kissinger is. Well, anyway, on this weird Henry Kissinger <laughs> tangent that I made happen, uh, fuck Henry Kissinger, by the way, if you couldn't tell, um, as the podcast uh, that's not afraid to admit that capitalism, uh, and including like Milton Friedman and Henry Kissinger are the problem. Um, so <laughs> there's that um you definitely already know my politics if you're on episode six because i have not been uh quiet Shy. yeah uh in the first episode someone was like i don't want to make it political i'm like where have you been i've made it political this whole hour <laughs> like we're literally talking about eugenics right now like it's political <laughs> um shout out to her all right so if you like the pod and want to have updates and stuff you can follow you can follow us on instagram uh, at clown hospital pod and if you want to send me an email of questions uh perspectives uh that you want to share like blind spots that we missed because we're just two people talking about a very big conversation um totally open to any perspectives or whatever fan art. <laughs> me, and the, me and the chicken costume, they'll do. Oh God, that's a good one. Um, and yeah, so that email is clownhospitalpod at gmail And with that, I say thank you. Thank you. And I say exo exo trauma girl. <gasps> Love. I knew you would like that. <laughs>